So MongoDB is a document database. Many of your listeners may not know the term Atlas. MongoDB Atlas is our database as a service. And the great thing about Atlas is you can start for free. One of MongoDB's main goals is to just help developers be productive, create really interesting stuff. So with Atlas, you've got a database, it's hosted, it's managed, and that's awesome. But you still have to build everything else related to your application. We're seeing a ton of customers building really interesting, compelling stuff with Stitch. Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss the Jamstack, a new way of building websites and apps that are fast, secure, and simple to work with. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. So welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. On the line, we've got Michael Lynn. Hey, Mike. Hey, folks. Yeah, my name is Michael Lynn, and I am the Worldwide Director of Developer Advocacy for MongoDB. Nice. Worldwide. That's an awesome title. I wish I had that in my title. Worldwide host of Jamstack Radio. <laughs> and uh, also on the line, we got Drew De Palma. Hey, everyone. My name is Drew De Palma. I run a product called MongoDB Stitch over here at MongoDB, and we'll be talking about that today. Yeah, yeah, we definitely will be. Yeah, so I think we met, Mike, we met um, back at Codeland in New York originally earlier this year. Yeah, great event. Yeah, and I f- found out you do DevRel at Mongo, and you guys already shipped some really cool things at Mongo as well. So can we explain what MongoDB is? I know some people are familiar with it. I'm not sure how many people have touched or used it. Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll take that one. So, so MongoDB is a document database. And when, when we say document, a lot of people think automatically... Word document or, or like some binary form of document, PDF or something like that. And while you can store those in MongoDB, that's really not what we're talking about. We're talking about a JSON document. So we store data in objects that look like JSON. We actually use an extended form of JSON called BSON. But this is in, in contrast to what you're probably used to if you're used to databases from a while ago. So older databases or traditional databases store data in rows and columns inside tables. We store data in documents, inside collections, inside databases. So there's a lot of similarities and a lot of differences. And we feel it's a it's an updated approach to data storage and it offers some real great flexibility for developers, which is why we're seeing you know massive growth. Cool. And uh, when you say documents like stored in documents itself, I know the term that gets thrown around a lot is no SQL. Do you guys still use that term to describe the type of database yeah. that Mongo is? Yeah, yeah. I think we still use that. We're still in that in that genre, I suppose. No SQL. We have a language that is very much like structured query language. We call it MongoDB query language. And it's got some really great capabilities in terms of, of data access. We also have something that we call built into MongoDB query language, we call the aggregation framework, which is really focused on analytics and some of the analytical behaviors of, of data access. But yeah, I, th- I think um, NoSQL still applies. Very cool. Yeah, my introduction to Mongo was years ago, around the time I was learning JavaScript, specifically Node on the server. So it seemed like the Node community really picked up Mongo as the entry-level database solution for a lot of kickstarting projects and templates and frameworks. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's still true today? Oh, yeah. I think, well, Val Karpov, I think, is credited with uh, coining the term or the acronym MEAN, MEAN stack. Oh, yeah, that's right. So there's the MEAN stack and the MERN stack, which is MongoDB, ExpressJS, AngularJS, and Node.js. 
And it's just because it was so prevalent at the time. And um, I think it's still really, really popular. I think a lot of people are now adopting an approach that involves heavier, more capable front ends and React is, is really huge today. But uh, I think that's really why it's so exciting that we've got some some great stuff to talk about with, uh, with Drew and, and Stitch and, and what that's all about. Cool. Very nice. So, yeah, can we just like kind of roll into what is Stitch and why the Jamstack listeners would actually be interested in this product? Yeah, I think, first of all, um, let's talk about how we got to Stitch. So Stitch is our backend as a service, and, and Drew's going to explain a lot about that, but I think it makes sense to back up one step and, and just talk about Atlas. Many of your listeners may not know the term Atlas, but MongoDB Atlas is our database as a service. So it's it's hosted MongoDB in the cloud. And you know the cool thing about Atlas is that it offers you the ability to launch, manage, and scale your MongoDB instances without the headache associated with downloading MongoDB, installing it on a server, finding a server to, to run it on, securing that, and you know worrying about if you're running out of disk space and finding more disk space or manually moving the instances around or you know configuring replication, configuring sharding, which is the way that we scale our MongoDB instances. All of that can be onerous. There, there is a, a, an amount of work that is associated with doing that type of management. So MongoDB Atlas allows you to really seamlessly, easy, push a button, get it a cluster which is highly available. It leverages built-in replication in MongoDB. So you've got high availability. If you want to scale that instance of MongoDB, you can do that with essentially as easy as turning a dial. And all of the work associated with Scaling the resources that are hosting your MongoDB instance, that's all done for you in zero downtime. So you're, you're not affected, your applications aren't affected. So that's where the need for Atlas came along. And you know the, the great thing about Atlas is you can start for free. Like you can go get a flavor for what MongoDB Atlas is all about. Just go to cloud.mongodb.com. I don't want, I don't want to turn this into a, sales, <laughs> into a sales pitch, but I, you know, I'm really excited about it. I'm pretty passionate about um, some of the offerings that we have. So when you say you could try it today for free, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of cool tutorials out there and the um, things to get started. Uh, do you guys have like documentation or some sort of open source aspect of this? Yeah, so the docs team at MongoDB, they're awesome. They're really terrific. They've done some phenomenal work around docs.mongodb.com. So they just introduced the capability to try some MongoDB right in the web page, right in the docs site. Um, you can also see different flavors, different frameworks of access, like from different SDKs versions, so JavaScript versus Python, for example. Some of that's available in the docs site. Really powerful to get you up and running. And then, of course, we're always working on blog articles to, um, to help folks get up to speed and understand you know, what the capabilities are. Cool. So I think I get the, the general idea around Atlas and why it might be a solution that you'd want to approach for getting Mongo into your project. Drew, do you want to explain like Stitch and how that sort of stitches itself in this conversation? Yeah, absolutely. So really, if you take a step back, one of MongoDB's main goals is to just help developers be productive, create really interesting stuff. So with Atlas, you've got a database, it's hosted, it's managed, and that's awesome. But you still have to build everything else related to your application. So let's kind of look at the Jamstack, right? We have, you know, starting with JavaScript, obviously, you know, that's kind of like language and, and glue that holds everything together. Next to that, you've got APIs, right? 
Now, typically we have, you know, sort of a layer that you have to spit up a server, create your API layer, make sure that that's secure, plays well with your authentication, make sure that those APIs talk to your database, any other backend services that are in play. With Stitch, we kind of take that layer and let you create the logic connection to databases and other services and security and manage that alongside your database the same way that we manage and host Atlas for you. So you can think of it as you know, sort of a backend service or a, a serverless platform creating that API layer and that layer of logic and connectivity that would typically live behind your front end. Okay, so Mongo is your database. Stitch is your API layer to connect your, your sort of front end to that actual database, correct? Yeah, exactly. It's really sort of that simple. And we kind of let you plug into any of the logic that you create through uh, you know, HTTP calls, or we have a SDK where you can call any functions that you create. You can call directly to the database or you know, authenticate, things like that. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I mean, that's exciting that that's a product uh, offering that, that Mongo is providing. I'm curious, how, how much of this is, um, I don't know if I've actually paid for Mongo or any of my side projects or anything like that. Uh, I've used it for work, so we paid something at work. But how much of this is like open sourced or community driven? Yeah, sure. So for Stitch, we are currently hosting a lot of the infrastructure that does the request processing, but everything that connects to Stitch is fully open sourced. So all of the API endpoints, all of the SDKs and tooling around Stitch, uh, even down to the command line tools that we provide, is all open source. So we've seen people sort of pick up some of these tools, create their own spin or their own SDK. And there's definitely you know, a good sort of balance between the community and also having some of these things hosted and hosted in the cloud. Yeah, and from a, from a, a purely software perspective, MongoDB has a, a dual licensing model. So we've got an open source version of MongoDB that you can download and, and use all day, every day. It's, it's purely open sourced. And then we have a commercial version that has some additional capabilities compiled into it. So things that that large-scale enterprises are going to be interested in, like storing data at rest in an encrypted format and connecting to larger-scale Active Directory for your authentication and authorization store, those types of things. Those are offered in the, in the commercial license, and that's, that's something that we vend on a yearly license basis. Cool. So and, uh, you kind of hinted on this, Drew, but when I think like API generation like in JavaScript or any other language that I'm sort of comfortable with, I think a CLI. So what sort of things you get out of the CLI out of the box and with connecting Stitch to um, your project in Atlas? Yeah, absolutely. So let me take a, a minute to kind of touch on how all of this logic and configuration is defined in Stitch. Yeah. Behind the scenes, it just maps to a set of JSON and JavaScript files. So JavaScript for any sort of logical code you want to write, JSON for any configuration. Uh, Stitch lets you import that, uh, export it, you know, obviously you can do some fun stuff with editing it directly in the UI. But the purpose of our command line tooling is really that you can edit that configuration and that code in any local and you know local text editor that you can throw it up in GitHub and then move it from GitHub into Stitch and can sort of have a little bit of a you know code portability. Cool. And then for the hosting part, I mean it sounds like that if you look at the back of the box, it sounds like Mongo makes money if you're hosting with them through like the commercial licenses. Yes. But do you have the opportunity to like take your instance and host it like wherever you would like? Yeah. The, so the great thing about Atlas, MongoDB Atlas, is that we're not competing with cloud hosting providers. We're actually riding on top of. So we give you the choice when you launch your instance where you want to host 
your underlying infrastructure. So um, the first thing you're asked when you launch a MongoDB cluster in Atlas is what provider do you want to leverage? So it could be AWS, it could be Azure. And is there a cost associated with that? Yeah, there's a, an incremental cost over and above what you would normally pay for uh, an EC2 instance, for example. However, uh, it's it's fairly minimal. And what we believe that what you get from the increased capabilities around management and security make it well worth it. Okay, very cool. So like when I set up my Atlas instance or uh, database, as I'm creating my, my, I created my account, I'm creating my instance. Uh, what do you guys call them, instances um, for these atlases? Yeah, clusters. Yeah. Clusters. Okay, so when I create my cluster, I actually choose provider. Am I providing my keys? Or are you guys setting that up for me? No, we're, we're managing that for you. Okay. Yeah, you would do that for proximity. So you would, if you have your applications in, in GCP, for example, you would want to launch your MongoDB cluster so that it would be uh, in close proximity to your application. Uh, but it's not going to be in your specific instance. It's going to be in in ours, and we're going to provide you with the management uh, interface to do that, which is available from a web interface as well as from an API. Okay, yeah, that's actually pretty huge because, like, as far as like context switching and working on either a large or small, small part. Actually, so I've been working in AWS pretty much all day today, and um, mm-hmm. not griping on them. It's a great product, but trying to figure out like. What machine I'm on because I, I use a personal machine for personal projects and a work machine for work projects, and trying to figure out like where my my keys are. Like I know there's a better way to manage that through their CLI, but if I'm at work, like I don't want to have to worry about like where to find keys. And I know at work, my job does not want to have keys exposed in a way that someone could accidentally slip them up because that's a it's a very expensive problem to have if they are exposed. Yeah. So yeah, I'm all for especially getting up and running and started. If I can pay a little bit of money and have someone else manage that for me. And I can just ship the code that I care about, then I'm all for that for sure. That's what it's all about. You hit the nail on the head. Cool. So there's a couple buzzwords of like uh, that are coming up a lot within like tangential to the Jamstack, which is like serverless and containers, just in, in general. Does Mongo play with any of those buzzwords at all? So Mongo provides um, integration with Kubernetes in our on-premise management tool, and we call that Ops Manager. So that's kind of baked into the offering there. From a containerization perspective and, and in the context of Atlas, no, I think we kind of, at this point, we're abstracting that layer for you. We're abstracting the, the actual underlying instance. You know, in, in the case of the, the free, the M0, we, we label this instances by size. So M0 is the, the smallest uh, cluster size, and that still comes with three nodes. It's a three-node cluster. And as I mentioned several times, it's free, but it's on a shared memory instance. So... The virtualization is all managed for you. It's all abstracted away from you. As you get into the larger sizes, M30, M60, M80, and above, those are all on EC2 instances or or, uh, GCP, Google instances that are larger in size. But you're not concerned with whether or not it's on a virtualized instance or or what the, the scheduling is around where those instances live. And then on the Stitch side, so Stitch is kind of you know another one of the buzzwords that you said is serverless. We talk about Stitch actually as a serverless platform for creating applications. So with Stitch, you have these you know similar to API requests. You're running, you could be running functions, could be making a request to the database or a request to a service. Stitch takes all of those requests and runs whatever logic they require in a totally serverless fashion. So when we actually get a request from your application, we basically just provision you know, whatever compute and memory you need. 
Uh, it's a super dynamic process. And you don't have any hardware that's running, any containers that are running. And so that process is fully serverless. Okay. And do you guys have like any sort of like CI integrations as far as uh, some of these hosted solutions between Stitch and Atlas? Because like one of the things I like to do is like abstract enough of the DevOps out of my life. So like, is there a way to like push to GitHub or push it directly to your hosted Mongo cluster to see some of these things go live, or just like a manual process to deploy some of these changes? Yeah. So with Stitch, I think I kind of touched on this a little bit with our CLI and and some of our import export capabilities. On the Stitch side, all of your application maps down to JSON JavaScript. You can keep that and edit it locally. You can keep it in a GitHub repo and then you know, pull it from that and push it into Stitch. We see a couple of people who integrate that into you know, a build process that runs some sort of tests. We're thinking about doing some first-party you know, CI, CD integrations in the future. That's something definitely that's top of mind for us. But lots of people are you know, really just sort of storing the code in GitHub and then moving it directly into Stitch today. Okay. Um, on the Atlas side, I know, Mike, you could probably talk to this too, but just about everything on Atlas, you can make requests um, that scale up, pause your database from uh, the API. And we also have uh, a couple of different tools that let you connect directly to the instance from your desktop, things like that. Yeah, there's some exciting stuff coming along there. So Joe Drumgool, developer, uh, the director of Developer advocacy out of out of Ireland is writing a, a series on driving and managing your Atlas instances via the API, and he's got uh, a couple articles coming out where he's going to show from Python how to uh, how to start, stop, list, and manage the resources that you have in Atlas from from within Python. So, for example, if you wanted to build your own MongoDB as a service internally, maybe you're a, a service bureau for a larger company, and you want to vend. MongoDB internally, but you also want to leverage and gain the value and the benefits associated with having it uh, managed by somebody else off-premise. So that, uh, that that could certainly be done with leveraging the API. Cool. But question about like the whole document model. So like I've been a part of at least one Mongo project at a company, and I've definitely been a part of projects using SQL, but I don't know if I've actually seen scalability issues personally, because I mainly geared towards the front end a bit. But I'm curious, is there like an upper limit that you can see for this sort of Mongo document model um, using BSON? Or are we pretty much good to go? Oh, from, a, from an architectural perspective, MongoDB was built for large scale. Okay. And it was built with scalability in mind. And when you think about the architecture of a tabular database, you almost have to divide the data across many tables. If you're going to write an application, it's most likely going to have any serious application is going to have many, many, many tables. Those tables are going to live in separate places on disk. So dividing those, trying to find a good place to divide those disks and separate them and scale horizontally is really difficult traditionally in in the relational world. MongoDB, we kind of have this saying that data that will be accessed together is stored together. So we store all of the data for a particular application or an entity within an application in a document. All of the patient data, for example, is stored in one document. So that entire document is going to be in the same place. Um, so scalability, you know, scaling horizontally, is it, it was a design feature from very early on. And just to make that a little bit more concrete, we talk about some of the customers who 
are at really high levels of scale within MongoDB and Atlas on our website. But one person that I always love to talk about is Baidu, which is a pretty massive Chinese company. And uh, I think last I heard they were running something like a two petabyte workload on MongoDB on a single cluster. So, I mean, once you get to that scale, it's a scale that a lot of people don't see for a single database instance, especially more of an operational database instance. Yeah, that's a lot of like uh, dog and cat pictures. <laughs> I've never used Baidu, so I don't know what people are searching over there. But yeah, that's awesome. That was actually my final question too. I was curious of companies using Stitch. I know Stitch seems uh, fairly newer in Atlas. Are there companies kind of jumping on the Atlas bandwagon and leveraging that tool first when they think Mongo? Yeah, so the the, um, the number of companies is just it's grow, grows every day. It's um, uh, It's a really... A successful platform, you know, one that comes to mind is 7-Eleven. Um, I don't know if I had the statistics off the top of my head, but um, they were leveraging on-premise and um, and wanted to move uh, move their infrastructure to the cloud. Uh, so MongoDB helped them do that. We also incorporated Atlas as a part of their solution. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because they're open 24 hours a day, so they're focused <laughs> on other things instead of just uh, infrastructure. It, exactly, yeah. And then from the Stitch side, we're seeing a ton of customers start building really interesting, compelling stuff with Stitch. So I've met with people on cases from you know connected cars to oil platforms all over the map. One customer who we talk a lot about who's doing some really interesting stuff with Stitch is Axiom, who's actually a marketing tech company. What they've really done with Stitch is they have this valuable sort of wealth of data that they drive a lot of their marketing ops from. Uh, and they've used Stitch to build an API on top of it that uh, can connect to some of their authentication and internal systems, can safely expose a lot of that you know, business driving data to you know, sort of public in a way that's uh, pretty targeted and secure. That's kind of just one of the good cases that, that we've seen. Awesome. So I, we talked about earlier about uh, getting started in these guides. I don't know if you guys mentioned um, you mentioned the developer advocate in Ireland. Where they can find these posts that this uh, future series? Oh yeah, sure thing. So Joe's doing a number of series. The the API is, is one uh, that he's putting up, but there's also uh, a PyMongo Monday. So if you're into Python, uh, he'll be publishing an article every Monday with something interesting, and you can find those on MongoDB's blog. It's www.mongodb.com/blog. So you can see see that and a, a number of other posts that we have coming out on a regular basis. There's also a really exciting series being put out on a weekly basis by Adrian Howard, who is the developer advocate out of New York. He's calling it Stitchcraft. So every week he fearlessly jumps on Twitch and and codes up some solution to uh, to an interesting problem. And we're looking for folks to actually get get involved and get interactive and and maybe throw some suggestions for things that he should. Uh, take on as a part of Stitchcraft. Okay, cool. I'm definitely going to save that on my uh, my Twitch <laughs> account for sure. Awesome. Yeah, I was actually uh, doing some twitching earlier this summer, and for a reference, I, I I mentioned it in a podcast in passing. So whoever was listening that didn't get my uh, handle, it's me eight robot. So check me out on Twitch. But yeah, it's a lot of fun to just sort of pull up Twitch and start writing code and get people to pair with you and ask you questions and ramble. Isn't it great? Um, I didn't. Yeah, I only had like eight people in the room at, at the at the most, but it was still a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think the, the great thing about it is it's a weekly thing. It's it's going to grow, and the great thing is you fearlessly open up Twitch and you just start solving problems, and people benefit from that. 
and then and then you have this great um, collateral that's available for for review later. So if you want to check that out, he's uh, it's Adrian with a Y, Adrian. Okay, very cool. Um, so before we roll in the picks, it sounds like we're just giving picks, but uh, did you guys want to share uh, the promo code for our listeners to check out Atlas and Stitch? Yeah, so we sort of put together a special promo code for everyone who's listening in. Like Mike was saying before, it's really easy to get started, build an application on top of Stitch and Atlas for free. But if you want to try something a little bit more larger scale, uh, we have the code JAM100, J-A-M-1-0-0. And with that, you can get 100 bucks to start kicking the tires with Stitch and Atlas. Very cool. Yeah, definitely check it out, listeners. And with that being said, let's move into picks. So these are jam picks, anything we're jamming on, keeping us going. Uh, a lot of us work at headphones on, so sometimes it could be music picks or food picks. But while you're thinking of your picks, I'll go first. Uh, so I mentioned I was working with AWS all day, mainly working with Lambdas and sort of trying to debug that all day. So to do that, I was using Postman, which is a tool a lot of people have used. I haven't really used it until this summer. I had one of the interns on our team. She actually deployed uh, actually a pretty cool blog post about using the GitHub API to use the IoT buttons from Amazon to approve pull requests and deploy um, your code. And uh, <laughs> so she used Postman actually to test that that sort of uh, interaction. So I was actually because of that now I'm using Postman to test uh, another sort of novel idea of using uh, the GitHub API. So. Uh, that's my first pick. Nice. My second pick is actually within the last couple months, I got back on the Thirty Rock uh, bandwagon. I know it's kind of old, <laughs> but I I think I watched Thirty Rock back in the day. I probably only saw like a handful of episodes. It just it didn't really get me. But then I started rewatching it because I saw um, uh, Tracy Morgan on Comedians Cars Getting Coffee with uh, Jerry Seinfeld, and I thought he was hilarious on that. Like this, is someone's crazy old uncle. Um, the way he was just like <laughs> bantering with Jerry Seinfeld. So. I went back, watched Dirty Rock, starting with season two. Uh, I skipped season one altogether because I think I saw that, but it was also pretty slow. And I'm I'm like a couple episodes from finishing the last season, so it was a good ride. It's like a great thing to have on in the background while you're like making dinner or mm-hmm. hanging out around the house. So I didn't really like sit in front and watch every single one of those episodes, but it's streaming now on Hulu. I think it's actually been on Hulu forever, but definitely check it out if you're interested in Thirty Rock. Drew, why don't you go next? Do you have any picks for us? Yeah, so you mentioned IoT. I'm kind of just dipping my toes into the IoT scene, and I just ordered a Tessel 2, nice. which is it's an IoT device that totally runs on JavaScript. So instead of having to you know deal with, I think, some lower-level hardware, it's a little bit more supposed to be a sort of plug-and-play JavaScript interface to IoT. So that's pretty cool. And I just got back from... Uh, vacation being totally turned off in Wisconsin for about a week. And I was reading this awesome book called On Food and Cooking, which is a book from the 80s. And it's like this 600-page manuscript on chemistry and food and history. And it was a great way to turn off. Cool. Yeah. Offline in Wisconsin. I haven't heard that before. But yeah, (laughs) pretty cool. Mike, you got picks for us? Uh, Yeah, sure. So any free second I have these days, I think I'm spending somewhat disconnected. I'm, I'm trying to Spend a little bit more time disconnected, and uh, that for me lately means rolling. So, so doing some Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, it's an amazing, amazing uh, sport slash fitness uh, routine. So, just just having a real blast with that. I I, I roll at uh, Balance Studios here in in Philadelphia, and those guys are just 
phenomenal. The uh, Migliorisi brothers are running that, and it's an awesome way to uh, to unwind and disconnect. Uh, but when I am connected, I'm usually listening to some form of of Joe Satriani. He's got some some new uh, new tunes out, but I always find myself going back to the older stuff. Surfing with the with it with the alien um, was is probably one of my favorites to get the get the blood pumping. And then lately, I'm I'm checking out Vue.js. I mean, I know I'm probably late to the game, but I bang my head against React for a long time. And while I can fumble my way through it, it's just not comfortable. And and someone recently, a candidate actually introduced me to Vue.js, and it just seems so much more succinct. And I don't know, I think maybe it's just, um, it suits my brain. <laughs> so uh, yeah, just having a good time with, uh, with Vue.js. That's, that's some picks right there. That's pretty awesome. Hmm. Mike, thanks for your picks. Uh, Drew, thanks for your picks as well. I'm very interested in that cooking book. I've been doing a lot of cooking myself lately and uh, always looking to improve my game. But with that being said, thanks for coming on and talking about Mongo, Atlas, and Stitch. Um, I'm sure a listener is going to really take advantage of that um, promo code that you guys provided. And listeners, thanks for listening and keep spreading the jam. That's all the time we have for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders. 